0: Now, Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio.
1: Good afternoon and welcome. Well, you heard the yelling and screaming in the gallery at Queen's Park that led to the clearing of... The gallery and the Speaker had to take a recess before getting back to business. Beforehand, there were protests outside the legislature. Not a big surprise, given how contentious this issue is I'm referring of course to the invocation of the notwithstanding clause to push through the reduction of Toronto City Council there is all kinds of drama around this and according to the Toronto Star both sides are using this as an impetus for fundraising I want to hear what you think as this is really going to become law very shortly the numbers to call 416-360-0740 Toll free 1 866 740 We have a lively panel to unpack all of this for us. Mike Van Solen is with me here, and we've got Jamie Ellerton, who is principal at Canaptus, and Kim Wright, vice president of public affairs with HK Strategies. And Mike, of course, you're with Navigator. Welcome thank to you thank all.
2: You. Great to be here, Libby.
1: Okay, so um, I'm going to read the pitches. For the money, because I find that quite interesting. So the Conservatives said, if you're with us, let us know by chipping in three bucks to keep our party strong so we can bring the change Ontario so desperately needs. And from the provincial Liberals saying, what Doug Ford has done is unprecedented and it is a direct assault on our Liberal values and is causing chaos uh who's who's going to raise more money with those pitches mike
2: well i think the conservatives uh, i think the conservatives will i how much how much were the liberals asking for did it they, say? they
1: didn't put it they didn't put they, a number they just, in
2: they just asked to pay, play along look i think uh, the truth is that this is playing well with the conservative base and that's the folks who will be getting those fundraising letters the the people who voted for the conservatives didn't want the 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 normal politician they wanted someone who would Chart their own course. Who wouldn't? Um, who, who would just get things done? They're not really that interested in the process and sausage making of politics. They want someone who who gets the job done. And while I appreciate this wasn't a topic of conversation in the in the uh, campaign, I still think people like the attitude and like the approach he's taking on this. Everybody, for the most part, even even the people who are who are getting really loud and noisy uh, right now about this topic. You know, if we just back up a week when people thought it was going to happen and, and the, the conventional wisdom was that the court wasn't going to overturn this because the province had this authority, people had moved past it. People had, had said, yeah, you know, 25 politicians probably make sense. That's how many we have provincially and federally. And, you know, what, what do all these city councillors do anyways? And nothing seems to get done. So. Uh, look, uh, as far as the fundraising efforts go, and uh, and and what people who voted for the conservatives were looking for, I, I think this sort of take charge attitude is exactly it.
1: Kim, uh, what do you make of this? I mean, Mike is saying not it's people aren't fussed about it, but you know we we see and hear a lot of people fussed about it. Kim, are you there? Kim, I'm here. Uh, so Mike was just saying that he doesn't. He thinks this plays well with the Conservative base, and there are a lot of people who aren't fussed about it. What's your take?
3: So it might play well with some in the Conservative base, and they uh, take everything to the courts, and the courts have been too activist. But what is concerning to a number of Ontarians, including those who voted before change and for the Premier, is if you're going to do this and use the notwithstanding clause on something that frankly... Whether it's designed to be vengeful or not seems to be. Uh, what else is coming down the pipe uh, as uh, as a tool that he will use the notwithstanding clause against the judiciary on? And I think that's where people are a bit unsettled. We are only a couple of months into this administration. There are a number of things on the legislative agenda that the premier has has wanted to put forward that continue to get derailed because of this back and forth between uh, the city of Toronto, and the mayor or, and the and the premier uh, as well as some of the regional chair uh, debates and discussions so it's also making people a bit uncomfortable and we've seen it in the last couple of days what does this mean for other municipalities there's a bit of a back and forth right now about uh, what did the premier mean when he talked about having lots of calls that he's been getting from the city of Ottawa um, what's he, you know, what does he plan to do there does he plan on doing the similar sort of things. Uh, so how, how all of that will play out really is a concern. And uh, to some some uh, questions people have had, which is, uh, does he really need to spend the money and the political capital on what only looks to be a bun fight on uh, the city of Toronto? Uh, Jamie, what's your take?
4: Yeah, I think it's very clear that the Premier has decided he is going to spend that political capital and he's going to wear that. And I think if you look at some of the tepid response and reciting of the same kind of lines we've heard from the Premier by some of that other caucus, I think there's definitely uh, some people who are having some doubts about this. But uh, politics is a team sport, and so far he's been able to maintain caucus unity on this. I think one of the things going forward on this is, is the NDP as the leader, and Andrew Horvath as leader of the opposition, is she going to be able to mount an effective opposition on this or just kind of also appeal to her own base? I think one of the things we've seen on this issue since that court ruling came out earlier this week is kind of a people retreating to their partisan camps and kind of a lot of stuff lost in the middle. Uh, I think as a result of that, the premier is burning political capital uh, to see this through. Uh, I think even someone like myself, I support the broader motion of what he's looking to do to help streamline decision-making at City Hall. Why does it have to be absolutely done down in the course of the election? Uh, That's not what my advice would have been to him, but he's decided he's going to do this and uh, he's going to wear the consequences.
1: Uh, Okay, well, let's pick that that business up. So one of the things that I heard is that the reason on Monday it took him so long to respond was that there was a split in his cabinet, and that's why they decided to have a free vote. And uh, for those of you following on the internet, I'm putting that in quotes because I don't see how anyone in his caucus can vote against it if they want to have a career. So that's what I heard on the one side. And then, then there's this very interesting dynamic that we haven't seen the Attorney General standing next to him. She put out one tweet, Caroline Mulrooney, and meanwhile, her father, in a fairly rare news conference yesterday, was talking about how he does not like the notwithstanding clause, does not like using it, uh, and all of that. Mike, what do you make of those
2: things. Yeah, I mean, so so there's a lot to unpack there, for sure, and and I think, ultimately, Ford will bring along his caucus. He is, uh, I think he's earned that right because, you know, frankly, he has delivered a majority government after 15 years of being in the wilderness, and with that, you get a little bit of uh, latitude from your caucus. Um, And I appreciate that this wasn't something that was really brought up in the election, so even, it was, you know, in some respects, uh, sprung on caucus as well. Um, But, I think it makes sense, and and you know, and I I get there's a bit of a twisting uh, of what the campaign was, but he did say he was going to create more efficient and smaller government, and certainly that's well, not speaking specifically about the city, that's what he's done. Um, I think it's been pretty interesting all the conversations that have gone around uh, with respect to Caroline Mulrooney and uh, everybody's second guessing why you know why wasn't she at the press conference, uh, um, you know, why hasn't she said more? Um, I don't think uh, we, we can know today. You know, my, my expectation is she put out the tweet. Uh, she's the Attorney General. She'll have a role in this. I, I, I'm sure she's in the House today.
1: Uh, it's hey. possible that he just didn't even consult her. That's that's possible, uh, <laughs> would you think, Kim? Well,
2: it sounds like they had a Cabinet meeting on it. So, uh, you know, to the extent of her being in Cabinet, she, she would have had that opportunity to raise I am, her voice.
1: I'm sure there's been
3: a lot of legal opinions uh, weighed in, including uh, the Attorney General, who's also a lawyer. Uh, the reality is, and Mike talks about this, uh, about he ran on smaller, more efficient government. What what people were expecting was him to deal with his own government, the provincial government, not the creatures of the province. And what we also heard out of the Attorney General uh, in her comments on the, uh, the Premier's personal uh, news network is really an attack on municipalities and that's what the way it's sort of read of we're going to reconfigure how municipalities work and with with the way the constitution is structured municipalities are creatures of the province however that was in a time when 80 percent of, of people didn't live in cities and that's the way it's now structured now the mayor of the city of toronto was elected by more people than any other jurisdiction including by the by the uh, uh, of the premier. And, and there the needs Prime to be Minister. Some conversations about that. And and of the Prime Minister, he's elected, he or she, depending on how the outcome of October 22nd goes, are elected by more direct electors than anyone else in Canada. And there has to be some recognition of that in all of this talk about, quote-unquote, democracy, that mm-hmm. Toronto municipalities are going through a democratic process, and that's what's really concerning. This is not about whether or not the city should have a certain amount of members around their council chambers. It was the way in which it was done during the course of the campaign. And frankly, if somebody wants to start having a conversation about what brings a more efficient city council, it isn't about the number around the table. It's around the intergovernmental program, of which the Premier is the Minister for Intergovernmental Affairs. And it's also a challenge with the procedural bylaws uh, that that the City of Toronto has, but also in the conversation in which uh, municipalities are reflected within the Constitution writ large.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I haven't heard a lot of talk about a, a strong mayor system. I, I think, you know...
2: I think that comes next.
1: That Well, that should come next, and I suspect that uh, Doug Ford would be for a strong mayor as long as it was a different strong mayor. Depends uh, on who the mayor is. Exactly. Depends on who the mayor is. And, and Jamie, uh, I think you brought up an excellent point. Actually, one of one of our most interesting callers yesterday, and callers who are waiting, I'm going to get to you in a minute, said, you know... Why are you so obsessed with Toronto? What about the rest of us? Are we chopped liver?
4: Yeah, and if I frankly was Andrea Horvath today, I would actually be probably picking up more on that vein. He is, she's kind of, I thought just continues to repeat the line about how Doug Ford's being a dictator and other synonyms for that kind of stuff. And I don't think she's actually growing her support base in this opposition. If you kind of go back to the basics on this, politics is about one, power, and two, process. So if you don't have the power through an elected majority. Uh, you have to look at how you're going to affect the process on this. I think one of the things that continues to be up in the air is, as of today, the court has struck down this ruling, so Bill 5, as it has passed, is no longer the law. Uh, so the law of the land today is what was there before, which means Toronto is currently running a municipal election for 47 ward councillors. Now, the Premier and his Attorney General and the Minister for Municipal Affairs are introducing legislation in the recalled legislature today to reenact legislation and are using an aspect of the Constitution, the Notwithstanding Clause, to ultimately push this through. And the chaos that's about to going to ensue as it relates to how the city of Toronto fights its, essentially not fights, but administers its election uh, and rewrites those rules is going to be up. And it's just further sowing confusion. And if I am a listener anywhere else in Ontario, I kind of probably ask myself, like, why is this so important? And what does this actually do? How is this fixing our $12 billion deficit? That we inherited, that this government inherited from the liberals. How is this ending hallway healthcare? Because everyone's tired of waiting for hours on end anytime they have to bring a loved one to the ER uh, and stuff like that. And I think those are like where I think the premier is most vulnerable, and he's spending a ton of political capital on this issue that I think is going to uh, lower that well when he needs to go for it to get through some of these bigger fights in the months ahead.
1: Okay, well, let's uh, take a couple of calls. We've got Diane in Toronto. Hello, Diane.
5: Hello. Uh-huh. I think it was unfortunate that the clause had to be used, but I think it was necessary. Uh, we elected Mr. Ford in an election, democratically, to do what he's doing. Uh, he didn't say a word about this in the election. He said about the government and so on. Uh, every time we have a group that doesn't agree with what he's doing, oh, we're going to be up in court, we're going to, you know, if everything's going to get tied up in court. And I think this was a good thing he did to say, no, you're not going to tie me up in court. We have to move on. We have to get things done. Now, people are always asking, what's the big rush? The big rush was the dating of the election. We don't do it now. We have to wait another four years before we can do it. And things are not getting done at City Hall. But he knows that. It's a disgrace what goes on down there. Okay.
1: uh, we get where you're coming from. Thanks for your call, Diane. All right. Okay. Uh, one of the interesting things that came up yesterday, uh, and this from city councilor and a lawyer, a municipal lawyer, saying, you know, with all of this chaos, why don't we just move the election?
2: Yeah, well, you know, I, I, I've wondered that myself, and I don't know if I have I have the right answer as to how easy it would be, but, uh, you know, it strikes me as a sort of a common-sense solution uh, that, as they bring forward this legislation this afternoon, just push out uh, push it out uh, two weeks, and, uh, you know, they'll provide enough time. I, I, I think the city clerk, I, we're, we're making a lot of this idea of administering the election. Uh, given all the work that had gone into already preparing for a 25-person election, uh, the work that had previously been done for 47, um, you know, in in my mind that they should be able to respond uh, and and deal with it. They know now that the the Premier has uh, showed his determination that it will be 25. So uh, they should be working and uh, pulling together to get ready to do just that. Um, You know, but what I think gets lost in this, and, and people are talking a lot about uh, a lot about using the notwithstanding clause and uh, and the charter, is just how horrible a decision it was by the judge in this regard. This is clearly a, a judge who overstepped uh, his bounds. Uh, he blended sections of the charter um, in sort of a creative way. Yeah, just but to then make you it, appeal. To, uh, well, I know, but when you yeah. when you don't have the time, and when you when you do have the tool to say, and and frankly, we are, you know, the the, the government is appealing as well um, but this is why we have section 33 uh, available to us and it, and it is it is to deal with things like this and I just want to get back as well to, you know just for your listeners we have a Westminster system and 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 we do believe in parliamentary supremacy and that is to get sort of chipped away by courts over time and and our system uh, for people to reflect on is becoming more American as a result you know we've had the charter since 82 uh, and we're seeing sort of more activist, uh, more activist judiciary for sure, and that's that is having some impact on our system. I, I like the idea of uh, parliamentary supremacy in these areas. Uh, the, these truly are people. Who are uh, who, who are voted in? Who who people cho- choose? So, um, uh, with due
3: respect, Mike, that's always the answer everyone gives. When much like the question about stronger mayor system, it's always the the part that we always like the people in power when it's our people making the decisions we like. But we have to think about what does this set as a precedent? Not only today, not only a year from now but when the next government is in and they implement things that they feel that they have a mandate to do. People
2: well, I've been pretty to consistent be on, I've been been pretty consistent on like. this uh, idea.
1: Well, yeah, and he's he said he won't hesitate to invoke it Again, I mean, one of the—and uh, callers, I, I'm getting to you—one uh, of the things, the the you know, the theories about this uh, by is that his advisors thought doing this would make him look strong and, on the other hand, make Justin Trudeau look weak because Trudeau said he's not jumping into this.
2: You know, I, I, don't, I don't know what his advisors uh, said to him, uh, and, and there's a lot of hypotheticals. Well, if this happens, then will he use it again? We just don't know. But what we know is that uh, you know, he used it in this instance. I do think he, to this, uh, to this day, looking even past the City of Toronto stuff, he has shown to be a leader of action. And uh, I think there is quite a contrast between what we've seen uh, up in Ottawa, if truth be told.
1: Jamie, uh, do you think this makes him look strong?
4: Uh, strong is one word you could use, but I think you could also find others with a more uh, negative connotation if you're looking for a pool of adjectives and synonyms uh, to apply on this. I think if you look at just how aggressive he's been on this, I don't think the Premier's actually made a really compelling case as to why the urgency of this needs to be done. Uh, So the Premier has the power to do this with the support of his majority caucus in the legislature, and the notwithstanding clause is a part of the Constitution. Uh, But I do think down the road in terms of how this affects his brand and the kind of narrative that are going to form in voters' minds as kind of something coming across as strong could equally as be interpreted as reckless in the context of what we're seeing here right now.
1: Okay, let's hear from uh, Kathy in Subble Beach. Hello? Hello. Hello. You're on the air. Go ahead. Okay. um, It's a short call. I don't usually
3: do this. I used to live in Toronto, and City Hall has always been a mess. So I am 100% for Premier Ford for what he wants to do. And I think uh, a council of 25, if they do their post-based work, can handle
1: it. Okay, Kathy, your your line isn't great, so I'm I'm going to let you go. We get what you're saying. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Uh, John in Oshawa. Hi
6: there, Hello, John. Good afternoon. Yes. I, I think I, I think that most people outside of Toronto in the GTA, the 905, they don't give a rat's behind about what's happening at uh, at uh, City Hall and at uh, Queens Park. He's invoked it. He's doing it. Go ahead. Keep on going with it. And as far as you saying that, well, he never he never ran on this. Kathleen Wynne didn't run on a whole lot of mistakes that she made for us
1: now. And look where it got her. <laughs>
6: and,
1: wow! Well, and fifteen years. Yeah, it got her fifteen years of, of well. That, if you're you talking know. Kathleen, when she she wasn't premier for fifteen years, but um, uh, yeah, that's that's true as well. Do you feel, as someone outside Toronto, that there's just too much oxygen being wasted on this business with Toronto City Council? Of
6: course, of course there is. Yes, and it's only a certain group of people in Toronto. That are that are kicking up dust, that are causing trouble. Uh, and I bet you, I will bet you, a lot of the people when they closed down um, Queens Park today, a lot of those people were professional rabble rousers.
1: Mm, I I wouldn't say closed down Queens Park. A ten minute recess is is kind of doesn't doesn't uh, meet that standard. But it was it was okay. pretty rowdy. Got our attention for sure. And when they when they did that, I bet you a lot
6: of them. We're professional people, and a lot of them are worried about losing their
1: job. Mm. Simple as that. Okay, thanks for your call. Thank you, uh, Kim. I I don't know about that. I uh, hard to imagine. It's it not something you make a living from protesting <laughs> at Queens Park.
3: <laughs> not a not a great one. No. Uh, look, one of the things that we're we're seeing and and the. Um,
5: the uh,
3: minister is now talking about uh, fixing the nomination period uh, within legislation, so I'm uh, looking forward to reading that. One of the things that actually people forget is that the City of Toronto municipal elections actually used to be in November, and then were pushed back uh, to the end of October. Uh, there is some time between the municipal election date and when the new term of office begins, so if, if they had wanted to uh, stay the election for a few weeks to get this sorted out, that could have been the case when the when the province's lawyers were asked in the courts why to do this, what is the urgency to do this? Uh, you know, there wasn't a great response uh, because "I said so" is not the greatest legal argument. Or as we read in the court decision, crickets. Um, okay. The reality is, if the premier is serious about changing the conversation within with municipalities about transit, about housing, about how we create uh, cities and communities. Uh, how do we address the gang violence situation? How do we address all of these major issues that are gripping cities and the province? Then I think it's time that he stopped uh, seeming like he is just on, on a bit of a, a tangent about the city of Toronto, but actually getting down to working with these municipalities and sorting this out in a reasonable and respectful manner that takes everyone to the table, that is, that is respectful and dem- about the democratically elected people at all sides of the table, but also brings experts to the table. Of how do we get this right? And stop finger pointing. Oh okay. that's really where we need to get to.
1: Everybody, hang on. We've got to take a quick break. We will be back with more from our panelists and from you, the callers. Numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. Uh, we'll be right back. And I want to talk about how some of the people that Ford has been kind of nailing in his talks, these quote, left-wing downtown Toronto councillors um, may be shut out uh, unless he expands the nomination period. So uh, we'll be talking about that when we come back.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio.
1: With this, And I wanted to get into this whole issue of uh, some of the nominations closing and maybe some of those leftist downtown councillors that, that Doug <laughs> Ford really doesn't like uh, are going to be uh, out of luck. So what happened was that since the judge, the original deadline for uh, registering for the 25-seat election was this Friday, the 14th, but the judge struck down that law on Monday right? So that doesn't exist. And in the meantime, they're going back to get a new law. But people, some people are assuming, well, they'll just extend the deadline. I'm not so sure. uh, Because apparently, Kristen Wong-Tam, Paula Fletcher, who we were talking to yesterday, and uh, uh, Gord Perks, these are the people who have not registered. Um, I think that probably suits Doug Ford just fine. Jamie, what do you think?
4: Yeah, I think it's one of the more curious aspects of all of this. We heard from a lot of current city councillors that they were going to wait for clarity on this issue before re-registering. Uh, and with all this up in flux right now, the kind of procedural snafu at play here uh, could potentially be more of a political bomb in, in, in the weeks ahead on this kind of stuff. I think when the premier is talking about getting government streamlined and more efficient and talking about getting things done for taxpayers, from a communication standpoint, I think he's on stronger ground. When he kind of goes on the attack and starts naming individual current city councillors uh, that are known to be left-wing and kind of in opposed to what uh, his brother Rob Ford did as mayor, uh, he just kind of comes across as kind of petty and kind of, I think, undermines the broader reforms he's trying to make.
1: Kim, uh, what about this nomination thing? If you are betting, is he going to extend the nominations or not?
4: Yeah, a
3: reporter asked the minister of municipal affairs uh, about that and said, and he had said that it was going to be heart uh, of the legislation today. So we'll see what that actually looks like if uh, it is an clearer, extension or a date. Or more
1: political. <laughs> he said, just there will be some reference to it, or said, yes, we will extend.
3: We it didn't say whether I, I I'm only getting this sort of second hand, but it it was that they will address the nomination okay. issue. so Mike. we'll we'll see what that looks like. But look, <laughs> there was a lot of people who were waiting for the court case and felt that had they registered under the twenty five person model, it would undermine the city's uh, case on uh, on forty seven. Uh, whether I agree with them or not, that, that was their perspective. They thought that this was the rules. So once again, we have a whole bunch of people changing a whole bunch of rules. <laughs> and all of this was an unintended consequences as uh, we, we uh, I often say, rushing their fences a bit. Um, And it wasn't necessary to do. Uh, Yes, you could have done this for the 2022 election and everyone would have, there may have been some grumbling, but there would have been recognition that 2022 was the more appropriate time for this. Or, frankly, had the Premier really been interested in doing this and doing this properly, he could have introduced this legislation at the beginning of his legislative session, uh, which was also an unprecedented legislative session. Uh, at the beginning of June, but he chose to do it at the end. Uh, so none of this seems to be a well thought out communications or strategic plan. Other than it's great politics to pick on the city of Toronto, uh, but then everyone holds their breath and says, "What's next?" And maybe look, the notwithstanding clause can be used to get the Maple Leafs the Stanley Cup. Who knows? <laughs>
2: hey, hey, they're gonna they're gonna get there all on their own this year. I'm really confident. <laughs> um you know I don't I, you know this for me feels like certainly inside baseball but I'm just grinning ear to ear because I just think it's so funny that we find ourselves in this situation and you know my good friend from the the other side of the political spectrum Gord perks uh, you know is is one of the ones caught up in this and uh you know look he, on principle he he chose not to to register and he finds himself in this little bit of a procedural snafu now um my, my gut is the the they'll find Find a way to uh, to let people properly uh, register and run should they want to run. Um, I think people should have gone on with it, uh, you know, uh, weeks ago uh, and, and just had, had done it. I know many councillors who did, who, who registered, you know, who were opposed to the move, uh, but still said, look, let's get on with it. Um and you know, and and their and their speech wasn't fettered by by these changes, and they were out knocking on doors. So um, I think it's kind of funny, but I think it'll all be it'll ultimately be resolved. But to Kim's point about you know you could have done this for you know signaled that you're going to do this for 2022. This is what you know. This is what Ontarians don't want. We would have had we would have been debating this for four years, and it would have been madness, and uh, it would have sucked up oxygen for four years as opposed to the and, four weeks it's going to ultimately know what? suck up now. There
1: was how long of consultation to come up with this 47 ward uh, plan right.
2: which which the mayor was opposed was opposed yeah. to uh, and uh,
3: there were several years of it and yeah. including a court case so yeah. like right. it's not like we came up with the, the city of Toronto came up with 47 out of a hat well that's uh, true and in fact they looked at the 25 and not only was it rejected by council but it was rejected by the court uh, so all of this isn't about the court; it's about the court of public opinion, and that's what the premier is looking to, and that's frankly what most politicians are looking oh, to.
1: Okay, well uh, let's let's get to uh, public
5: opinion here. We've got Nora in Scarborough. Hi, Nora. Hello. Uh, what difference does it make whether it's forty-seven or twenty-five? If somebody wanted to run for office, why didn't they just register?
1: Here, um,
2: hear, hear.
5: Uh, Yeah, I mean, uh,
1: you know, that would have been the safe thing to do If, if anybody was asking me for advice, I'd say cover
5: your bases <laughs> like, like, what difference does it make? Why are they making such a big deal out of this? Well, I don't, yeah, because I, I some of them are that. going to, they're going to be have, running against each other I'm sorry, Libby And I have a comment uh, Your guest there said, uh, you know, why isn't Ford concentrating on hospitals and this, that, and the other thing He'll get to it right now He's aiming on this thing
1: well, we hope you'll get to it, but uh, oh, he's uh, spending a lot of days, energy. It's early days, one thing at a time. Okay. And he's done quite a bit already. He sure has. <laughs> okay. Thanks for that. Okay, <laughs> Mary in Thornhill. <laughs> Hi, Hi, Mary. Sure has. So Mary, are you there? <laughs> okay. She's listening on her radio. Okay, we're going to move along to Elaine in
5: Coburg. Hi, Elaine. Hi. How are you? Fine. Go ahead. You're on I the just air. I have a general comment um, that we are not looking at the big picture and we need to look ahead. The Canadian government, the Ontario government are both broke. Toronto uh, frequently requests funding from both of the governments, which they don't have. We need to stop looking to the government's to support all of our everyday needs and that's my comment thank you
1: okay thank you for that but we look to government for things like transit and stuff like that uh we're just about out of time on this segment so uh, let's start to wrap things up uh jamie ellerton what would you like to leave us with
4: I think one of the big things to really watch on this is how effective Andrea Horvath is going to be at trying to actually bring new people into her orbit and fold uh, by being a more effective opposition. I think if you look at what the government has done to date, they really are driving the conversation. Premier Ford is clearly taking action, and they are looking to use their power and legislative tools to ultimately get this across the finish line. And so if Andrea Horvath... Uh, wants to show that she's kind of government-in-waiting and, and has uh, the ability to actually be an effective opposition. She's going to have to do more than Scream Dictator going forward.
1: Okay, Kim?
3: I, I think this is an opportunity moving forward beyond Bill 5, Part 2, uh, for the Premier and the Ontario government to really focus on what it is they'd like to accomplish at the end of four years uh, and whether it is the uploading of subways into uh, into the province. Uh, or fixing hallway medicine the way they've talked about. How do they do this and how do they get on without some of these distractions that frankly aren't necessary uh, and really move forward on these big items that Ontarians care about? Mike?
2: Great. I I think I'll build on both the points uh, of Jamie and Kim and say that um, I expect uh, expect we should be, the opposition should get ready because I think this government is not done. This is going to be an activist government. I I expect the whole first this year through to next summer to be very busy. So, uh, you know, the the opposition should get ready and look at the agenda, look at all the stuff that was promised during during the, the election. If they have points to make about it, they should make it. Uh, further, I don't think this municipal uh, issues are done with this. Uh, I do think there'll be opportunities to look at whether we uh, a strong mayor, for example, makes sense in uh, in Toronto. So I think there'll be more conversation around this. But, you know, buckle up because uh, this government's going to be uh, working to get stuff done uh, over the next year.
1: Okay, uh, that's all the time we have for this segment. Uh, callers, uh, if we couldn't get to you, Free For All Friday is coming up. uh, Thank you very much to Jamie Ellerton, Kim Wright, and Mike Van Solen.
0: Great to be here. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one.